0: Well, hey, it's such a joy to get to see uh, each and every one of you. If you were here last week, uh, I coughed mostly through the entire sermon. Uh, I taught school for a number of years, have preached for a number of years and never had that experience before. And uh, just inside my mind, I hadn't been coughing. And then as soon as I started talking last week, I started coughing. I don't know if you ever had those experiences where then in your mind, you're like, oh, no. I'm looking at the clock. There's like 30 minutes left to go. I'm like, this is not good. And then you start feeling like every little like wind blow and you're like, oh, here it comes again. So I haven't coughed all week, but uh, I, I'm prepared. I got, a, I got a throat coat lozenge. I drank some uh, hot tea this morning. I have my water. So thank you for your graciousness last week uh, in that. And it was an experience. <clears throat> um, we are going to continue in the gospel of John Uh, this morning. I want to encourage Rachel and Melanie uh, and really everyone who has shared from their experience serving, um, but just really wanted to honor y'all for uh, being examples to us in the midst of life, the midst of challenges, the midst of so many things going on, of going to the Lord in areas of need that y'all have had, where you've been like, man, this is a place where I realized I need Jesus to serve me, like we talked about last week. Like, I need Jesus to wash me. I need Jesus to cleanse these areas of my life that I don't know what to do with. And Melanie, I love that you talked about I'm a believer, but I feel like this part of my life has just been discipled by the world for so, so long. And Rachel, I know it probably took courage to initiate, hey, God's been doing this in me, can we get together and start talking about this? And I love you stepping out uh, and doing that. And then that building from a couple women to then now doing the adorned and fulfilled uh, groups. I like that we got a title that maybe is a little less intense than the book, than the book title. The book is, is intense in title, but it's awesome in the freedom that it brings. And so y'all are going to do another round of the book for any of the ladies that are interested in being a part that's going to start later in the fall. And if you heard Sean last week talk about pure desire and you were like, hey, I, I feel like maybe that's a step for me that uh, they're having an interest meeting, Do you know, this Tuesday, it's on the website in the newsletter, and that's going to start here in a couple weeks, Adorn and Fulfilled later in the fall, and in September, all of our groups uh, all of our life groups are going to be started. And so if you've been in a group in the past, a life group, uh, you can be on the lookout, maybe reach out to your life group leader and be like, hey, I'm excited about this uh, this fall, you know, ready, ready to get on it. And if you've not been in a group or maybe you're in a group and then it kind of wound down and you're looking for a new group, we want to help you. Our heart is that we would help everyone here in the church Find some godly relationships that you can walk with and that everyone in the church would find a place to serve where you could serve out of what God's done in you that you would have a meaningful place to serve others. And this is the season as school starts back in. I know there's so many things going on. We were looking at our kids uh, sports schedules and what nights are, you know, we've got stuff going on for kids, just a lot of different moving pieces. But these things are priorities for us. And sometimes priorities fall to the back burner. And I want to lovingly provide leadership of saying, hey, let's make these things that we know are so important. Let's prioritize them in this season. So I want to encourage you, get in a group. If you're in a group, let's go for it. Let's prioritize being there and really building those relationships. Get on a team. And if you need help getting connected, we want to help you in that area. We're going to be in John 13 today. And i wanted to this is a little bit off the beaten path uh, where we're going to go and then we'll jump into the text Uh, but one of the things that donnie shared about this picture of rain and rain watering the dry ground in our hearts i believe is something that the lord is speaking to us as a community joe right here on the front row i'm going to get you in one of these coming sundays to articulate a little bit more about that but i know you and then mary beth there in the back, that have been some of y'all have been sensing from the Lord in prayer, was specifically that God wanted to pour out his rain on areas in our lives that feel like dry and parched ground. We started 2022 praying and fasting out of Isaiah 58. And one of the promises in there was that we would be like a well-watered garden, That that's God's promise for us as we walk with him, is that he's going to water us. It doesn't mean that our life is going to be easy, that everything is going to be up and to the right all the time, that we are going to live a charmed life, as uh, Rachel shared with us a few weeks ago, but it means that the presence of the Lord is going to be with us and to saturate us, to fill us, and that's really what we're pursuing this year. We're believing Jesus is calling us in a fresh way to encounter him. And that picture of rain on dry ground is one of those images that communicates what I believe is God's heart for us. And what I believe is the word of the spirit to our community in this season is that God wants to pour out his rain on us. And this last week we experienced, I read one place that said once in a thousand year uh, rain, Some of you very scientific people, y'all can explain to me how that works. But man, we got a lot of rain last week, and I am believing for that to be what's happening in our lives with the Lord is that He be pouring out the rain of His Spirit, the water, the times of refreshing from the Spirit of the Lord for all of us. And uh, I have a place that I go to run and pray, and it is the place. For me, over the last decade, that has been the place where the good, the bad, and the ugly in my relationship with the Lord and life come out. On those runs, sometimes there are moments of high praise. Sometimes there are moments of I find myself just airing out things that I didn't even know were in my heart, where you find, gosh, I didn't know I really felt that way about this and uh, just pouring myself out. And I was running there this week in the midst of one day, got, got rained on, and I was thinking about how many hours I had spent in this little trail, in this wooded area over the course of this year, and how that for me had been a place of just like pouring out my soul to the Lord, often in lots of frustration, disappointment, hurt, God, I need you, I need you, I need you. I know that we all have those places in our lives. And I had a perspective shift while I was, while I was running this week that I, don't, I, just, I know this is not gonna come out super planned, but it's, it's just I wanna, be, I wanna be real with you because I think there's something here for us. I just felt like the Lord showed me that I had viewed that trail and that wooded area kind of as a desert of sort where you're just pouring out everything to the Lord and lots of frustration about this, that, and the other. Um, and, And lots of God, where are you? I need you. Those type of prayers. And I felt like the Lord said, this is how you have looked at this, but I want to show you my perspective. This forest and these runs have actually been my shelter for you my refuge for you, my safe place for you to unload whatever's going on inside. And I've had moments of very high faith of really encountering the Lord out there and moments of just, here's everything being poured out. But God shifted my perspective this week of those runs and that forest. This isn't just a place where I pour out my heart to the Lord. This is the shelter where the Lord has provided for me to be fully who I am with him and to encounter him in the good, the bad, and the ugly of life and to meet him there. And for us as a church, the reason why I share that is I believe that the Lord wants to shift our perspective. That as we go into this fall, as we're thinking about the events of our lives and the challenges that we're all facing in so many areas, that God wants to show us where he is he wants to show us where he's been. He wants to show us where he's been a shelter to us, where he's been a fortress to us, where he's been a rock that's higher than we are, where he's been the one that we can go and bring the prayers, so or we don't know the answer to, and we're frustrated and mad and all of those things, and we can encounter him there. And that he's big enough and good enough for the good, the bad, and the ugly of our lives. It doesn't mean that everything works out in a moment or works out in a week or works out in a month or even a year, but that he's there with us. And I want to share that with you for whoever that might be that you're going through things. I just believe there's a perspective shift that God wants to give you. One way you've been looking at something and the Lord wants to show you to know, I've been here with you all along. I've provided for you. I'm with you. And this is your safe place with me. So I want to share that with you, believing with you for the reign of his spirit And if you're a praying person, I would love for you to be praying that for our church in this season. And when I say our church, I don't mean us as an organization or an entity. I mean us as a community. I mean the people sitting to the right and the left, those in our community who aren't here this morning for whatever reason, I want you to be praying for one another that we would experience the reign of God's spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay. John 13 Uh, We're going to do a second week on Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Last week, uh, because of the coughing, again, my apologies, but I didn't get to share some of the things that I felt like the Lord had put on my heart as I studied leading up to it and talking with uh, our team this week, since it was really important just to stick here. One of my favorite pastors says his gift, his spiritual gift is the gift of repetition. And so often in the Bible, right, things are repeated over and over and over. Why? Why? Because we need to hear them again and again and again for them really to get down in us. So this will be a little bit of a repeat, but I believe that repeat is important. I was talking to my uh, 10-year-old. Uh, he's not 10, he's 12 now. Wow, where's the time gone? My 12-year-old this morning, he's like, Dad, what are, you, what are you preaching on? I said, Jesus washing his disciples' feet. And he looked at me and he said, you did that last week. I was like, yep. And he was like, okay, I'm serving kids, so good luck with that. <laughs> Anyway, John chapter 13, we're going to start in verse 1. Uh, It was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So first 12 chapters of John last, uh, the course of scholars believe, around three years. Starting in John 13, going all the way to John 18, 19, Jesus dying on the cross, is one 24-hour period. And what John spent three years, three and a half years or so, walking us through in the first 12 chapters, he's going to spend now six or seven chapters just on one 24-hour period. In our culture, a day starts in the morning and goes until the evening. In the Jewish culture in which Jesus lived, days were started in the evening and then went to the morning. So the start of this day that would include Jesus dying on the cross starts with Jesus celebrating the Passover meal with his disciples. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Verse two, the evening meal was in progress. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under Jesus' power and that Jesus had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet but my hands and my head as well jesus answered verse 10 those who've had a bath need only to wash their feet their whole body is clean you are clean though not every one of you for jesus knew who was going to betray him and that was why he said not everyone was clean when he finished washing their feet he put on his clothes and returned to his place do you understand what i have done for you jesus asked his disciples You call me teacher, and you call me Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you as an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, and no messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So here in this story, John recounts to us from the life of Jesus, as we together encounter Jesus uh, in the word, like we're pursuing, there are three places that I shared with you as we encounter him, three things that happen, three ways that we encounter Jesus. The first, as we encounter Jesus washing feet, he reveals God's character to us. He reveals God's character to us. I hit on this a little bit last week. Uh, it was not commonplace in their day nor in ours for leaders or those in high authority to do things like washing the feet of their followers. That was the work of a servant. That was the work of a slave, perhaps even that was the work that a disciple should do to the teacher. That's why Peter's asking, you know, I should be the one washing your feet. But here the scripture says, Jesus, knowing what was going to happen to him, knowing that all authority had been given to him, he gets up from this meal and he does this radical act of washing his disciples' feet. And in so doing, he reveals God's character. The character of the Lord is marked by humility. We talked about that last week and how different that is than the way that we most often think about God in general. The theologian, the theologian Joseph Blanc said this Jesus here takes the concept of God, which from time immemorial, meaning time past, had always included the ideas of omnipotence, God is all powerful, and domination. God is the ruler, and here, Jesus completely recasts it. John realizes that Jesus has brought into the world a radically new understanding of God and a radically new understanding of humanity. That Jesus doesn't just act humble in this moment but Jesus revealing the nature of who God is. That God himself, that we see the Lord, and the Lord is marked by humility. It's easy for us to think of God all-powerful. It's easy for us to think of God ruling and reigning. But that God, in his essence, is humble, and that he would choose to serve people and wash their feet. This is a revelation of who God is and what He is like. As we encounter Jesus in this passage, we encounter God's humility. We encounter God's character. Jesus also shows us here in this passage uh, a reflection of God's love. We covered this last week as well. That Jesus is not doing this because he's trying to get something from the disciples. Sometimes we can think about serving but it's really serving in order to get something. So I'm trying to do this in order to get you to do something for me, but Jesus doesn't work by that math. He doesn't think that way. That's not his way. But the scripture here tells us that he served because he was motivated by love. Love for his disciples is what motivated him to wash their feet. And so here we get a revelation of God's character. As we encounter Jesus in this passage, we get a reflection of what God's love is like is that God doesn't love us because, so he can get something out from us. God loves us because he loves us because he loves us. Because God is love. And so we learn about what the love of God is like from this passage. We covered both of those things in the midst of the coughing last week. The third uh, thing that this story reveals, ways that we encounter Jesus, and this is what we're going to lean into today, is that here Jesus reveals a new definition of what it means to be his disciple. He realigns what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Because what he says to his disciples is, you've called me Lord and teacher, and rightly so. And so if I am your Lord, if I am your teacher, I want for you to follow the example that I've given to you. As I have washed your feet, I want you to wash each other's feet. Now, I've sat and thought about this passage uh, uh, over the course of the last two weeks and really over the course of the last 20 years and been so stunned that this is what Jesus says in this moment. I don't know because we might be familiar with the story that we might miss the significant juke that Jesus is giving here leading up to the passover jesus gone into jerusalem jerusalem was the city for the jews that was maybe our equivalent of washington dc it was the place of power of authority and it was their belief that the messiah was going to come into jerusalem and it was going to be time for the people of god the jewish people to be restored to their rightful place in the world as the head and not the tail In the days of Jesus, they were overseen. They were under the Roman rule and domination, and they didn't want that to be the case. They wanted to be free, and so they were awaiting a Messiah who would bring them that type of freedom that would put their nation back on top, and as Jesus comes into Jerusalem, everyone is cheering because they are starting to believe that maybe he is the Messiah, and here in John 12 and into John 13, Jesus withdraws from the crowd who's chanting and cheering. It's like, here's our king. He's come to take over. Now is the time that we're going to take Rome down and we're going to be restored. And Jesus pulls his disciples in this room to share this meal with them. He steps away from the crowd, he steps away from the applause, he steps away from the cheering. And now he's pouring out his heart to them. Interesting, I want you guys to think about this. They're there in this small little room in the middle of this city filled with tons of people underneath the Roman Empire. And here in this small little room as Jesus pours out his heart to them, some scholars call this Jesus' holy of holies teaching, which just takes them into the deepest places of who he is that Jesus talks about the word cosmos 40 times in these short chapters. Cosmos, our word for world or universe. So Jesus here with these few people, this obscure Jewish teacher 2,000 years ago, with these 12 unlikely disciples, one of whom is about to betray him, he's speaking about what they're doing and its impact on the world. It's impact on creation. It's impact on the universe. It's like that, that pebble that drops in the middle of the pond and has a ripple effect that fills the whole world. Over and over and over, Jesus is talking about the world as he sits with these few disciples. And he's seeing a ripple effect that's going to come out. Now, that's inc- uh, What a long shot. What a long shot. Like, if you're a betting person, would you have bet this obscure Jewish rabbi in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago underneath the Roman Empire with these few disciples that what he was doing, what he was talking about, what he was pouring into them really would impact the world? Very doubtful. What a long shot. Like, who would have predicted 2,000 years later that we'd be sitting here talking about that meal? (coughs) And not just us. But believers, a billion believers around the world this morning might be gathering just looking at this passage alone and talking about how it impacts us today, centuries later. What a long shot, right? And so you're one of the disciples, and you're starting to buy in. You're starting to believe this, and Jesus is doing these things, and people are chanting and cheering. Here's our king. Here's the Messiah. Hosanna comes in the name of the Lord. And you're Jesus, okay, you're going to tell us what to do now. Like this is the time. This is the time. 300 years later, Emperor Constantine supposedly has a vision where the Lord reveals to him the cross and says in this sign, go forth and conquer is the way that history tells us it happens. And so Constantine makes the entire Roman Empire supposedly Christian. People debate that. But we would expect something like that to happen for Jesus to say, okay, guys, now is the time for us to go forward and conquer. Now is the time for us to go out and take on all our enemies and we're going to defeat them and we're going to rule. This is our time. And Jesus doesn't do that. Think about how shocking it is that Jesus says, okay, guys, here's my plan. I want you to wash each other's feet. I want you to serve one another. I mean, just put yourself there. Sometimes because it's familiar to us, we miss like how bizarre that actually is. That's your plan? That, that us 12 guys, one of whom you're talking about is going to betray you? I don't know about that. I hope it's not me. You know, that's what they're thinking. Maybe there's some others around that, that, that your plan is for us to just wash each other's feet, to serve each other, and in so doing, that this is going to have a ripple effect that impacts the entire world? What a juke you can see why some of them might have felt disappointed. You can see why Judas Iscariot might have said, oh, I don't know about this, you know what, I'm out. Because it's so shocking to us. It's so shocking that this is the Lord's plan and this is the Lord's way. And Jesus is saying, if you want to be my disciple, it actually is not a litmus test of how many Bible verses you memorize what your religious language is or is not, how much you can talk like a church person or not, or you know the ways churches were, any of those things. He said, no, no, no. What, what What's going to show that you're my disciple is the way that you serve one another. Later on, it's going to go on, is the way you love one another. That, that's it. You know, and I'm sure they're like, okay, all right. Now, when do we go forth and conquer? And she's like, no, no, no. This is going to be a challenge for you. Serve one another. You know, and John's sitting there. He's like right next to Jesus. He's like, I don't know if I really like Peter, if I'm honest. I like the idea of going forth and conquering. I like the idea of ruling and reigning with you, Jesus, on the throne, people doing what I say. Being able to call down fire on people, that sounds cool. Serving Peter? Huh. You know, just put yourself there. And yet this is what Jesus is saying. This is what Jesus is saying his disciples look like. And I was thinking about um, my own uh, personal journey. And uh, last week, last uh, Saturday or so, uh, Christine and I got a text from a college friend who said, hey, did you hear about filling the name? And whenever you get those texts, you know that it's not nine times out of 10, it's not, hey, they were on the Today Show. Nine times out of 10, it's like something bad has happened, right? And uh, so I said, no, I haven't heard. I said, well, so-and-so was out on a jog this morning and had a heart attack and died. And I haven't kept up with this friend in a long time, but it took me back to the first life group that I ever went to that I was involved in was in this person's apartment. And so I started going down memory lane of all the different people and experiences um, just as I as it brought up all those memories as you've had those same experiences where someone passes away suddenly and you kind of think through some of the chapters of your life that overlapped with them and I started to think about what the Lord did in me uh, in that life group and I had been to uh, church before Uh, i'd been a part of a church before that was always organized in rows like we are and there are really good things that can happen in rows i remember uh, going to this one church and the worship was awesome and i was nervous about raising my hands like some of you are today i was nervous about raising my hands in worship and so i would go up in the balcony and I would look around to make sure no one was looking, but I was like, I'm, I'm going I'm to do this. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this thing. You kind of do the one arm and then both arms. And, you know, I remember the worship. It was great. And I remember other places where the Bible teaching was awesome. And that really benefited me. That helped me really grow. But I remember when I went to the life group, a friend invited me and I realized this is different because we're in a circle, not just a row. And i had been in circles before we did bible study and i love bible study you want to do bible study let's do bible study but there was something else that was going on here in this circle there was bible study it was saturated in scripture and yet the group was serving one another people were opening up about areas of their life that i was like oh i didn't think we talked about this in church you know and then people were encouraging one another serving one another and I realized, man, this impacted me so deeply to get to experience this. And I realized this isn't intuitive in the way that the church in America is often set up. So please hear me. I love when we're in rows. I love the worship. I love the Bible teaching. Those have both changed my life and helped me follow Jesus. Those, so this is not to minimize that at all. But it is to say there is more, and one of the things that there is more to us being the church together is getting in circles, getting in community, and looking to serve one another. Not because it's a program, not because like, well, it's this night, but like in the relationships that we build, serving one another. And I loved how Rachel and Melanie just gave us an example of what that looks like. Rachel saying, hey, I'm going through this. I want some people to go through it. We're in life group with them. Like I love hearing that. And I love hearing the ladies like going through this and then seeing the fruit that comes out of them getting in a circle, loving one another, serving one another, washing each other's feet, talking about these things, humbling themselves. And then the fruit that that's bringing in them and the fruit that's now bringing in the community uh, around them as it impacts the neighborhood and the gym. It's, it's amazing. And the reason that we're here today, 2000 years later, is because Jesus was right. And if we as the church, if we will in this season recommit to, hey, I, 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 want, I, want, to, I want to worship, I want the word, I want, yes, yes, yes. and I want us to be in relationships with one another, where we're loving, where we're serving, where we're washing each other's feet, where we're working through, you know what? I don't really like Peter. Peter's like, I don't really like John. We're gonna have to work on that, like like pressing through in those things. That if we do that, this is the litmus test of what it means to follow Jesus. And this is the sweetest parts of the church are those relationships that are formed. And this is the thing that brings fruit that reverberates through A family that reverberates through a generation, that reverberates through a neighborhood, that reverberates through a workplace, that our focus right now doesn't need to be on go forth and conquer. Our focus doesn't need to be on let me prove why everyone else is wrong and I'm right. Our focus as believers right now is, hey, we've had a lot of uh, challenges that have come to light. Believers in our nation, in our church over the last three years, can we respond to Jesus' teaching? Can we follow his example? And can we say, hey, I'm going to commit to serving one another, washing one another's feet, not as an organization or a program, but as people? Right? So, this is just, I feel like this is what the Lord wants us to do, wants us to be about. It's real clear right here in his word. So, If you have been on a team or been in a group, we're getting those fired up. I wanna invite you again. I wanna inspire you again. I wanna call you again to follow Jesus in this way, that we would serve one another and wash one another's feet in very practical ways. And my friend, Afshin, he was worried last week that we were actually going to uh, take off our shoes and wash one another's feet. We're not not saying we're going to do that right here, although you know what? Uh, Life groups have been known to do that, fair warning at times, but not going to happen here on Sunday morning. You guys don't want to see my feet, uh, I'll tell you that. Um, But in the way that we relate to one another, I want to lead us forward and I want to call us into that. So Get on a team, get in a group. If you're not in one or if you've been in one, let's do this. We have life group leaders are gathering to pray tonight. Our groups kick off at the beginning of of September. Our teams are kicking up and I'm really excited for us to follow Jesus in this way and to encounter him in this way and to meet with him here as he gives us a fresh revelation of God's uh, character as he reflects God's love and he gives us a litmus test of what does it really look like to follow him? And it's am I loving and serving the believers around me, and that that will overflow to our marriages, our families, our friends, our roommates, our neighborhood, and our world. So, with that, I want to invite you to stand. No coughing today. That was a a praise the Lord. And here's what I want to do. Instead of our, our normal ministry time worship team, y'all come on up. Uh, instead of our normal ministry time, I just want to invite you as we sing this song. Uh, we're going to sing Build My Life, correct? Build My Life. Such a, great, such a great song. Build My Life on the Love of Jesus. Build My Life on the Teaching of Jesus. Build My Life on the Way of Jesus. I just want to invite you to open your hands like this and to receive this not as a have-to, not as a heavy burden, but as an invitation, as a blessing, that this is the way that the Lord has called us as his people to live. And this is the way that we walk in his life. So I'm going to pray over you. And then we're going to worship to this song together. If you just extend your hands, Jesus, we love you. Thank you that you gave yourself to serve us, to love us, to wash our feet, Lord, and i pray father that you would help us to love one another and to wash the feet of our brothers and sisters here in this church pray for every person who feels isolated every person who feels disconnected every place where we feel offended and hurt uh lord any place that those things go on that the enemy just ministers to us lord even lies that we don't belong or we don't fit in or we don't have value, even as the, the women were sharing earlier, Lord. I'm going to pray that you would help us, Lord. Help us to serve. Help us to wash one another's feet. Help us to build those type of relationships as your disciples. Lord, we know that this is what it looks like to follow you and the The effects of this ripple through families and generations, neighborhoods, and even nations, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Show us more in this area. Help us, Lord. As the worship team leads us, I just want to encourage you to respond to the word of the Lord here in this passage of Scripture.